0: This episode of Tinfoil Tales comes with a content warning and a reminder that this podcast is for mature audiences only.
1: Unless I haven't been paying attention, man, the moon doesn't look normal. You keep the pressure on, correct? We stay until we win, is that right? At the moment, you're under arrest for incitement. Have
0: you guys been following me? We're winning, folks. Okay, we're winning. We're pushing back the dark.
1: You ask simply two questions to find a filthy Freemason, the Mole. Where did you go to school? Which primary school? Which high school? And who's your daddy?
0: I'm Sauce. And I'm Sandy. Welcome to this special episode. Yeah, welcome everyone. This really is a special one. In preparation
2: for our news and views episode, we had reached out to Rainbow Community Angels to see if they would be open to doing a short interview about the cancellation of the Shepherd and Drag Queen storytime. So we've got the co-founder of Rainbow Angels joining us for a chat. That chat ended up being so good. That we decided that it needed to stand by itself.
0: We really hope you enjoy this one. It's been so good watching the OGs of the LGBTQIA community step up and demonstrate how fighting for their rights is done. Well done to Flickr, Dean and Sean for their tireless efforts to turn this around. It has been a privilege for SOS and I to have been able to walk this journey alongside them as we realise we have so much to learn from them. This is such a special conversation, I think we could do with more of them, to be honest. I really feel, after looking at both sides of this, that there is just a really deep lack of understanding. But for now, please enjoy hearing from Flickr and all about the Rainbow Community Angels, their response to the targeting of Shepperton Drag Queen Storytime, and how they supported the library and the efforts they went to to keep this important event going. Welcome to the show Flickr.
1: Hello and thank you for having me.
0: Thank you so much for taking the time to speak to us. We love when we get a guest on the show. <laughs> I know it's so exciting. <laughs> so before we get into Shepparton introduce yourself to our listeners Flickr.
1: Sure well I am a um, I guess a youth worker community development worker and have worked with Rainbow Families which are families who are LGBTIQA plus parented families. So they might have co parents or carers or parents who are part of the um, queer or trans community. And I've been doing that kind of advocacy for about 20 years. And my partners there oh, wow. and I have three teenagers with our lovely friend Cam. So yeah, it's kind of what I do professionally, but also personally. And I guess mm. part of that is the reason why. I was involved in co-founding Rainbow Community Angels this year.
2: Tell us a little bit about that.
1: Quite a few of us were watching what was happening with the continued disruption of council meetings like the Monash Council meeting Mm. and just sort of feeling a little bit like this sort of anti-vax, anti-lockdown movement had started to turn towards an anti-drag, anti lgbtiq Mm. movement. We were watching what was happening in the States. We knew there'd been a lot of difficulties with particularly the transgender community movement in the UK. And it just dawned on us that what was happening around the world was had started really to take hold here. And then when we saw such a huge wave of threats and attacks leading to cancellations and postponements of LGBTIQ plus events, particularly ones aimed at rainbow families and young people, in around sort of may this year which was around the international day against homophobia transphobia intersexism and biphobia it became clear to kind of quite a few of us that we needed to do something this is causing such a problem for people's mental health and the performers were having a difficult time and people were losing their livelihood and yeah we could just start to see um the impact that a few keyboard warriors were starting to have. And that's, I guess, when we got together and went, let's do something. We can't sit by and let these kids and families know that the adults in their communities aren't going to stand up for them.
0: It's just beautiful how you were able to recognise that because of the past history that you've had being in this space for decades and living it yourself of realising, oh my gosh, this is all happening again. It's the same thing. And uh, you've all reacted and gone, no, we we need to keep going. We need to defend our rights, our community. Mm. It's just wonderful to see. I mean, we can sit here and be keyboard warriors ourselves (laughs) on Twitter. We can write a podcast all about these people. But here you are going, we're going to put boots on the ground. Absolutely, Yeah. I just admire that so, so much. You're like, (laughs) no, this is not happening to us. No way. Uh, I just think that's incredible.
1: It's pretty fun, too. <laughs> Sorry.:
0: <laughs> Oh, it sure is. It actually is really fun. It is really fun. Um, I've joined in, and oh, it's amazing. It, you, you found a great, vibrant way of defending these events that it's just so, so, so much fun. We recommend everyone get on board. But uh, so let's talk about Shepperton. What happened in the lead-up to this event?
1: So the Shepherd and Rainbow Storytime at the local library there is something that's happened for five years with drag performer Frock Hudson reading stories to children as part of a bigger festival program called Out in the Open, which has been going for 11 or 12 years. So never before had there been any disruption, threats mm-hmm. or comments from the local community. It's just been seen as part of this really robust, lovely queer connecting community where the whole local community, not just the LGBTI community, gets involved. There's festival, carnival day, there's music, there's art, there's talks, there's dinners. It's all about social connectedness and creating a visibility, I guess, for particularly younger LGBTIQ plus people who live in rural Victoria. There's not a lot of day-to-day obvious access to seeing themselves reflected in the communities they live in, in school, at the shops, in their sports club. I think if you're in the inner city, there's just, there's places you can go to be around people. You can go to Smith Street or you can go to Chapel Street or Northgate. You can go to, you know, more regular events that are around about. You can visit the Pride Centre in St Kilda, but it's much harder in rural areas. So this once a year, one week or 10 day festival has always been a bit of a beacon for the LGBTI community to say we're out, we're proud, and we're visible. So that's, that's, I guess, the background to to the event, to the fact that they were having this story time. The library got on board five years ago, and it was just another way to say to the growing number of rainbow families, so again, families with queer or trans parents or carers, and their little kids to say, hey, there's something here for you as well. Yeah, so that's the background to it, and I guess, what we saw was members of the community, members of the sort of my place, stand in the park community start to go, "Oh, we haven't been <laughs> it was a bit weird. It was a bit like, oh, we haven't really got ourselves organized since the referendum. We always knew that unfortunately the referendum would be a place, a time when perhaps all of this died down, and those kind of sovereign citizen groups would be focusing on the um voice referendum, and they, they did kind of, they sort of turned away from focusing on the LGBTI communities and local government issues, but they're back. I think that's what that taught us. Yep. They were never going to go away forever.
0: What we saw was, I guess, we, I think the first thing that kind of came, popped up for us was Matt Lawson inside mm. his little group that he's got on Facebook and Steph. And we're, we're familiar with Steph because she was there at Altham uh, filming all the children there. Uh, without parental consent, <laughs> complaining about not being allowed to go to the toilet <laughs> yeah, that's in right. that
2: whiny drony voice She's so
0: annoying, yeah, and uh they they created a convoy a couple of weeks leading up to it, and they claimed they had thirty cars. She showed a small clip. I don't know if all those cars were part of it or if they were just you know general traffic. <laughs> I think the, the second the time.
2: second convoy was definitely a lot bigger than the than the first one.
0: Yeah, that's right. So because they also had recruited, I guess, the local pro-Palestine group, which kind of surprised us. Uh, They're very good at co-opting other groups in the area to bring them in, and Mm. they have recruited. They've recruited um, some of those into my place, which is unfortunate.
2: Yeah, I saw that.
0: The other group uh, which you mentioned there, Flickr, was Stand in the Park, which was a group of anti-vax. It was founded within the pandemic days, from the UK that was brought over here to Australia and they've permeated all the way around Australia. They're everywhere. They're kind of before my place
1: mm.
0: and they, their local one kind of combined. So basically at the moment, you know, standing in the park and my place in Shepparton is pretty much the same people, same yep. thing. And uh, yeah, so they've decided to target this event. So they had that convoy. Then they had a protest on the Sunday prior to the event because the event was planned for a Thursday And that's when we saw them standing out the front of the library. Not sure if the library, was the library open or closed that time?
1: Yeah, the library was open actually. And I mean, when you look at the footage, there's a large number of people just sort of nonchalantly holding the signs, but not particularly active. And it is a mix of kind of the, you know, more crew from up there that I guess are much more uh, vocal and organised and then sort of the hangers-on that they'd brought along on the day. It was a Sunday as well, so there's a lot more opportunity for people to bring the whole family. So the numbers, I guess, are boosted by that, but also um, they did, there's one instance of someone throwing their drink at a window and they did go up to the windows and the front glass door and hold signs up, two or three people. So they, the librarians did... Um, where it was open they locked the doors and they called the police and they did have patrons in there and they had to they said the patrons actually really understanding and you know weren't too freaked out or anything so they had some plans as they would ordinarily for their sort of oh and s if there's a threat in around or in the library so they do know how Mm. to manage this libraries I guess sometimes do have difficult situations with yeah. with clients and people wandering in it's often a place of refuge for people and can be very difficult so they're pretty well trained to manage that but I think it was just a, a shock that it had escalated so quickly and also escalated to a point where something they'd all been doing perfectly happily for five years yeah. has suddenly got this target on their back and they were really shocked by that I think about the veracity and the just how quickly it turned so nasty it wasn't something they'd expected and I think that was the the main issue so but because they advertise it so early as well they had three weeks of this wow that's right phone calls and emails and that's the thing it's it's not
2: just the the people showing up it's the campaign of phoning and emailing and emailing and phoning just on this repeat and they you know then they all Mm. take that conversation that they just have and stick it in their group chat and then everyone jumps on board that conversation and then it escalates even more and then someone goes oh I'm gonna ring them now i like it's just it's like you just feel for the people picking up the phone just trying to do their job
1: I think it was uh, really hard for some of them and particularly for the members of the queer and trans community They're actually a library staff or council staff who were involved they just found this like this is my local community I've never felt Mm. this unsafe and they were starting to feel really unsafe you know even leaving the library to walk home. Wow. Um, We had a good chat to them when it first started about screenshotting all of the things that were put on social media so that um, you know we could start to build a picture for them of who the sort of local characters were who to look out for And also to do what we've been doing at all of our previous events, you know, with the help of some fabulous people who are great at highlighting who to look for and the kind of groups and people to be aware of. And, you know, so they started to screenshot things. We asked them to record phone numbers that came through. Just like Eltham, we wanted to be able to paint a picture for these librarians about exactly the reality of the, and do a bit of due diligence, I guess, around like the police always say oh we've got intelligence and we're like but we'll we'll share our intelligence why don't you share yours like here's our list of people and here's the photos we've got of them at other events yeah. and here's their details on Facebook and you know we know that they're saying these aggressive horrible things um maybe you could go and have a chat to them or look yeah. out for them on the day oh,
0: imagine that yeah you mentioned the, so I guess yeah
2: you mentioned the counselors before so mm-hmm. this event really did get some great support from from local council didn't
1: it absolutely I mean on the day actually there were three councillors so the elected reps from um, the Goulburn Valley Council who came and they were so supportive they were yes. lovely and they had offered support to the council workers and to the local queer group so the local queer group that organizes out in the open is Goulburn Valley Prime. that's been going for years and has built such an amazing community of volunteers and supporters around it, you know, from local businesses to council to service providers in the community. It's been amazing and they've done a great job over all of that time. So it's not this, the idea that people were supportive of the um, Rainbow Family and LGBTIQ plus community wasn't something that anyone had to prove. Yeah. Like it was, they they knew it was supportive and I guess that's the problem for GV Pride is that then this well, they were more aware, I guess, of the than the library staff, because you know, as as queer advocates, they'd watched what had happened, particularly in the early part of this year, with attacks on the Pride Centre and at Eltham and St Kilda, um, when we also did a pop up story time as Rainbow Community Angels. So they were kind of ready. Mm-hmm and knew there could be a potential, but I guess they were also quite shocked. They, again, when you live in a local community, these people, you could see them down the streets. They could be your chemist, they could be your kid's kindergarten teacher. It makes a really big difference when it's a smaller regional community. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's for sure. I know I saw uh, Fern on, she posted about it and she copped it and then they would they would go over to Fern's, this is my place members, they'd run over to Fern to have a go at her and then they'd run back into their little group and talk about, oh, I said this and then you know, and there's, there's just the derogatory stuff they were saying behind Fern's back that I could see. And then it was just funny watching them. They're just like little children. It's They're
2: actually just... interesting when you watch the the cycle that they go through and you actually see that you've got this group of people that just want acceptance. <laughs> they just want the rest of the group to pat them on the back and go, Oh my god, like you're so amazing. So obviously, as the day got closer, given that there have been the convoys and the police had already been called, I'm assuming that there was quite a bit of planning that went into it. I mean, I know the library, they were very staunch. They This was happening as far as they were concerned. So what steps did they take to try and coordinate some meetings to, to make sure that the event actually went ahead? I'm assuming the police had something to say about it.
1: Yeah, that absolutely did. Look, the library actually had been incredibly proactive thinking about the risk management for the day. They'd contacted the Rainbow Community Angels about six weeks before the event. And because part of the angels thing is like, we'll be there to shield and protect and create a really colourful, joyous, vibrant, like queer joy <laughs> um, for, as people <laughs> and families arrive. They were like, oh, you sound fun. We'll in- get you to come and stand outside the library and be that for us as people oh, it's come. It's just brilliant. Yeah and they wanted to be brilliant, you know yeah. they wanted to celebrate community and invite people along and we'd actually gone up and done some training in Wangaratta and also Beechworth by this time so we had have angels that um, live in these wow. communities so we were like what a great opportunity that sounds amazing. So we were already on board to come up anyway for fun and to do a little dance <laughs> and sing along and then the They'd advertised it three weeks to the day because it was part of the broader out in the open program. So that all went out for people to book and see what was going on. And that actual, that day it just started. There were comments on Facebook that we became aware of and chatter on social media and they just started to get targeted immediately. So we met with two of the librarians and we as in Rainbow Community Angels. And um, we also met with Golden Valley Pride organizers. And we had an initial meeting just to kind of I guess tease out what would be some of the risk things I could put Mm. in place. So that's like when I was saying screenshot things and think about the venue, have you got a a room or that the drag performer can get changed in or come early or stay in if they if we need to if they need to retreat? How will you get the audience in and out safely? And we just talked through some of the basic things that are things we've learned by doing this for six months with a whole range of libraries and community area people. So they were so organised. They had this risk plan. The Rainbow Community Angels were part of the risk plan, risk management wow. plan, which is always <laughs> freaks us out a little bit. We're like, oh, okay, we've just got pool noodles and flags <laughs> on our back, but we're there. We're trained. <laughs> we're ready. And, and you're
0: not scared. We're not
1: scared. Especially we'll things. dance to anything. No, you're not. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you don't care who shows up. No, yeah, we have a lovely
1: time. We're there to be there for this the community, wonderful. our communities and the people that want to come and have fun. So then as the as the threats kind of escalated and the council became aware of them, not just the library staff and the library general manager, it kind of meant that the meetings had to become bigger and more frequent. So we had an, another two meetings that included quite a lot of council staff, quite a lot of the library programming staff, the local police and also Jeremy Oliver. So he is the LGBTIQ plus portfolio holder for VicPol for the state. And it has been really important that we've included him in his role in a lot of the work that we've been doing.
0: Have you found that having him has helped you as well? Are we getting there?
1: (laughs) Well, the police are an institution. I think that we all agree that that's and every institution has its rules and ways of interacting and working with the people they're supposed to work for. Mm -hmm. Jeremy's role I think is probably useful for us in that the Vic Poll have spent nearly 30 years since the Tasty Raid in 1994 building up a, mu- a profile within the LGBTI community to say that we're here, we listen, we're we're respectful, we're going to protect you. They've done a lot of yeah. work around how they do that in terms of family violence and in terms of homophobic and transphobic violence and harassment, you know, have they always been exemplary no do they always understand that what we're trying to tell them is that this is part of a bigger picture of hate and vilification imported from the us and the uk and we, they're using a playbook of all those groups no do local mm. cops just want to make sure that they manage their patch and and um yeah. keep their power contained and show his boss yes so jeremy plays a v- really important role and to their credit has worked quite hard to establish ongoing relationships with a range of community groups, um, particularly those ones that are often targeted such as the trans community and young people.
0: That's great, yeah.
1: So we find him a really useful presence in these meetings because he is the link that can explain to local cop shops and then report back you know, what the broader implication is. You might think you're going to recommend counselling events For what you think is correct, but you are playing into the to this you're now part of a bigger game. And I think his role has been good in explaining that to local police.
0: Yeah, because the risk versus benefit
1: isn't really true. The mental health and wellbeing impact is profound. It's huge. And because you see it happen again and again, it might look like one event in one local council area, but to me and to my kids and to the trans community and to young people they're just seeing this online play out in you know we're up to almost 15 or 16 cancellations and postponements Uh, that doesn't include all the councils and libraries that have gone we're not even going to program these events anymore Mm -hmm. so i guess getting back to sort of the weeks preceding the library did An amazing job they really did in facilitating these meetings there's one particular librarian whose name I won't use but they are the program coordinator for that particular library and they were adamant this would go ahead they were just like it's we've done it before the kids love it the families love it we're part of the community let's go
0: yeah they really want it don't they these (laughs) librarians really want these events they they see the value in it
1: and, you know, sometimes people like it's about literacy. It's so important. But for them it's about we are meaningful parts of our community and we love that yeah. people see libraries as a centre, as a safe haven, as a place to see a bigger world by, by you know, participating in talks and events and reading the books on the shelves. Like really the history of libraries when you really get into it is kind of amazing <laughs> yeah so that had these meetings and these meetings had been going really really well and on the Wednesday before the Thursday there was a final meeting it was quite large there were two members of VicPol there from the local station and everyone was like we've got the risk plan tick we've got extra security tick We've got the angels coming and a community call out. We thought we'd get about a hundred people to stand outside while it went ahead. We were pretty confident. I said that in the meeting, we reckon we'd get about a hundred. We had six angels coming up from Melbourne to support everybody. Yep. And there were four angels already in from Shep who were going to be on have their first angel, angel gig. And we were feeling really confident. The library was feeling confident. The LGBTI community and Golden Valley Pride were like, this is going to be lovely. We've done it. We can beat them. We know if they see it cancelled, that will be a win for them. And that's just horrendous. We'd answered all the questions that police put to us about what our role was. And, you know, the Angels, we developed the Angel sort of model to be an opportunity for people who have never been to a rally or a picket line before to have a really safe time standing there in solidarity with each other that's why our training is about all you know having a buddy and feeling emotionally and physically safe and we you know work collectively and it's about having radical trust in each other that for a couple of hours dressed with wings and a special sparkly hat and some you know a (laughs) t-shirt like you're going to be part of this community (laughs) you know part of this community that can do something amazing and yeah
0: yeah we're not
1: running short of volunteers we're doing our ninth training this weekend um in a few days and you know we've got over 130 trained angels now and 50 people have signed up for this training session so we'll see how we go but we're feeling like we're not it's not for lack of community interest at all
0: and there's so much work that's gone in that you do for for each event just to get it Off the ground to get it to go ahead. I just, just by listening to you now, like I didn't realize all of this is what goes into it. My gosh,
1: we're very lucky to have supportive workplaces, some of us, and also just to have a passion for this because we can see it's just taken off. And I didn't think I'd become a security advisor, but there you go. (laughs) That's what I feel like I've become. (laughs) So by like midday on Wednesday, everyone was like. We're sorted. This is going to be amazing how lovely Yay. people are posting things on Facebook going, can't wait to see you. And then at about 3.30 I get a very sad phone call from our friend at the library saying they're going to cancel it. Damn. And she was so distressed and distraught and really at that time all I could say was like just look after yourself if you need to step out you know yeah. find another colleague to go to the meeting with you that had been to this called to this meeting with the council and again there's the council and then there's the there's a CEO of a council and then the CEO of the libraries. so the program staff in the library had been called to a meeting with both those people and really they just the librarian I was talking to just had to hang up. She was just like, I can't talk anymore. I'm just so distressed. We're all crying. Uh, so I wasn't really able to ascertain exactly what what they'd really been told. And but then I re, you know, they said, oh one of the reasons is they say there's gonna be three hundred people turning up. And I was like, three hundred protesters, right. that does not sound right. So because I knew that yeah. that was something I had to I had to make sure that they didn't go into that meeting with this idea of this number that had come out of nowhere. The two police that attended it in the morning hadn't mentioned it. We'd said we'll have 100, we reckon. But it we, was midweek. There was no was way. It was on a Thursday morning. It's <laughs> a, no, it's rural. like In it, Shepparton.
0: Randall can't even get how many people, 100 people, to his rallies in Melbourne on a weekend. Exactly. What were they expecting?
1: I don't know. I don't know. We'd said all of that. We'd pointed it out. I'd given them a PowerPoint of all the key players and how they could find them. I was like, here you go. Like, if you're worried. We and know, they're not scary. You
0: know, they're just exactly. little Karens running around. Sorry, I know I, I know some Karens <laughs> who hate it when I use that. <laughs> but they are, like, these literally are just a few handful of Karens. Well, they don't,
1: they don't worry us because we are confident that we have a plan in place to keep the community that come and attend safe. And we have a plan that if you attend on the day as part of a Rainbow Community Angels call out, That you listen to us and we have never had any problem with that and people respect the chance to come and feel safe to come and feel connected and to make a stand and feel feel quite powerful so we were so confident that we're able to manage it we have never had a problem in all of our mobilizations And we were like, so this
0: number just came out of nowhere. It seemed
1: to come out of nowhere, and I was like, "Geez, that's a (laughs) lot of people." Like, are they bussing them in? Where are they coming? For
0: yeah, that's right. Yeah, it was
1: eleven, going to be twelve o'clock on a Thursday. So I did. I contacted Jeremy Oliver, and I said, "Look, are you going to this meeting? We've just been told that there's three hundred people expected. Is that true? I just want to be really clear. Has have they got new information? Is the intelligence?" finding out that there's neo nazis coming from Adonga like we really want to know now like this if this is true this is is up a notch right like we don't yeah, want to put people right. who trust us in a difficult situation where they're going to be unsafe either so we wanted to know so we could you know we yeah. take our responsibility to also keep our angels informed and able to yeah, make informed decisions about their participation really seriously he was like oh no no it's not 300 people you're you're encountered in that and i was like we're not a protest. We're invited as the as the library. We are in their risk management plan. We have been in three weeks of meetings with all players. This does not sound correct. Like this, it, something has gone awry with the way this information has been passed on. What's going to happen? And he. Was like, well, I'm going into this meeting. I'll let them know that. But as I understand it, that's the figure that's now being talked about. And Rainbow Community Angels in the community are are a hundred people of that 300. So I was quite rightly furious at this point because mm-hmm. that just was a complete misrepresentation of everything we aim to do, what we uphold as our values, which is that we do no harm, that we won't, that we are invited. That's why we go to these events. We are an invited part of the event. We don't, you know, there are other fabulous advocates and activists like the Trans Queer Solidarity Group who go to things like Drag Expo to confront the protesters at events, whereas we choose a different model, which is we go... And talk to libraries and councils and organisations that are under threat to say this is what we can offer as part of what you're offering in terms of your support and safety plan. We are very, very different.
0: And you also proved that at Altham. Yeah. (laughs) So you've shown how it can be done. So that's really disappointing.
1: It was pretty disappointing. But I did say actually to the librarian before while she was still crying, I said, you know what, we're still going to come. We'll just do it outside. (laughs) Don't worry. It's not cancelled. We'll make it happen. So she did (laughs) at least go into that four o'clock meeting feeling a little bit um, like, well, some people, you know, the angels have got their back. So that's what led up to the very sad Facebook post a few hours later from Golden Valley Library saying that the event had been cancelled.
0: So then what actually ended up happening on the day, though? Because as you said, you were like, well, we're not getting cancelled. You never get cancelled. We're not (laughs) going to hide. We are out and we are are proud. This this was an out-in-the-open festival event. So you're like, okay, we're just going to hold it out and in the open. How fantastic is that? So what actually happened on the day?
1: That's exactly what we did. It was so fun. So, (laughs) you know, we did check in with Golden Valley Pride. They're like, yeah, let's just do it. We checked in with Frock Hudson. (laughs) He was like, yeah, I'm going there anyway. Let's go. Oh, my
0: God. So we did it. It's amazing. We just said,
1: like, we'll turn it up. We'll go. We checked in with all our angels. They're like, yep, let's all go. And we put a community call out and said, Well, this is what's happened. This is the time for you to come along for, and um, enjoy a rainbow story time together. Mm-hmm. So, we rocked up at 10.30, we set up our stereo, we laid out all our wings and got people winged up. We had our <laughs> lollies and our water and our snacks and we were popped on a tune, which I think might have been I'm Coming Out, and started <laughs> started dancing and said we'll be here. You know, we'd said we'll start at 11, we'll be here till 1, to the end of the story time and come and join us. And so 100 people chose to join us. And they just came in jibs and jabs, you know, through the morning. These two lovely guys had driven from Wadonga and they're all decked out in their rainbows. (laughs) Um, you know, people came with the homemade signs, members of the, you know, queer community, members of the trans community, family members, older LGBTIQ members of the community who just were like, I'm here because I can't believe this is happening again and I don't want I want to stand up with my community. And Council workers came out of their offices, all the librarians turned up as well. Yeah. And by what um, an twelve o'clock. Show
0: of support. It
1: was amazing. By twelve o'clock. We had um, I think it was twelve families and about eighteen or nineteen children and babies. Oh beautiful. <laughs> and they were all sitting on a mat and there was this beautiful chair. It was all decked out with sparkly sequins and a rainbow umbrella. And then all of a sudden out came Frock Hudson and the crowd went wild.
0: <laughs> oh, as they always do when Frock comes out. Oh.
2: Mm. The way that Frock actually engages with children is incredible. Like to be such a good storyteller, like I think that's a really good way of knowing like how attuned you are to kids. <laughs> try, and read, try and get little kids to sit on their bums and read them a story <laughs> and see if you can actually hold their attention.
1: He's a rather fabulous uncle. Yeah, yeah he's he a rather is, fabulous he? uncle. Yeah. To, he's got lots of little nieces and nephews, so he's um, very well versed in Aww. how to manage little kids who just want to wander off. And- it's terrific.
0: And you know what? At the Altham one, I had my son join in. And uh, he was four at the time and he really, he he was good for the first maybe three books, which is actually pretty good (laughs) for him. (laughs) And then he kind of started getting a little bit like, okay, I've got to go off and do something else because, you know, I've been sitting with a good boy. But yeah, it was a beautiful day. And as a parent who uh, took my son, I found it very, very above board. There were no issues. I thought it was a lovely day. And parents like me want this.
1: The parents who turned up. There was a grandparent then turned up actually with four little puppets and she was like, "It's story time. We're here to see the story. This is what we're yeah, here for." It's and beautiful. two people turned up with babies, and they were not queer parents. They are members of the community. They're like, "Well, this story time's on. It's my local community. I can yeah. see what's happening. I'm t- coming." They came with their babies. Like they, yeah. <laughs> it was yeah. adorable. It was adorable, <laughs> it was and all these adults got to hear a story and. I think there was one lovely comment we got afterwards from someone that talked about they're you know an older adult and they'd come down because they'd seen the attacks online they'd watched what the convoys were doing they'd they'd followed the story and seen that it had been cancelled and then that we had said it wouldn't be cancelled and so they were like I'm going to come down they decked themselves out in there all their rainbow gear and They said afterwards, I just sat and listened to those stories and it really nurtured my inner child and I experienced something I didn't get to experience when I was young and wondering who I am and where do I fit in the world and here were these beautiful families with their children nurturing and loving them and saying families can be come in all different shapes and sizes and you can be your authentic self and just listening to these books that really are quite new in the field of literacy and children's literature, where it is about families and kids navigating the world when your kid is a little bit out of the box or is exploring who they are and, you know, challenging the stereotypes that are so gendered and rigid in so many of the places that you take kids like childcare or, you know, a grandparent's house or the shops, Mm. you know, (laughs) like really managing those little interactions in life where you've got a chance to have a teachable moment and talk about being yourself and being wild and fabulous and that we will always love you are just the kind of books that you really warm your heart and yeah so this beautiful person wrote and just said I got a chance to listen to stories that I wish I'd heard as a child 50 years ago and they just thought the community event around it was just amazing and they yeah they left feeling really incredibly happy (laughs) I think
0: and I think that it's uh, one thing that I've noticed too is just how important it is for parents to get on board and get some understanding before going into the whole moral panic thing. This is an opportunity too, to go to something like this and just get a little bit of understanding for yourself. Because, you know, if you ca- if your child comes out to you, what, where do you go? What do you do? You go to your library. That's what you do. And I think these are why these events are so important, and I think that it's really important for parents to to take their children to these things, because you will get an understanding, and then one day, if your child comes out and says, "You know, I'm really questioning things. I don't really know where I stand in this world," you're like, "I know about this now," and we do know that the majority, I think it's like seventy percent, is the stats where of queer children are experiencing lack of support from their families and it's really causing a lot of stress. So I think that is an area that is it, so important.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, no, it does and it just also creates that sense of community that we want um, our younger LGBTI Q you plus young people to be able to see. We want them to be able to see these photos in the Shepherdon News or listen to this podcast or like, yeah, you know, scroll online and see people's own images of being at an event where the community said, "We're not going to stand for this. We know that we have compassion and care for each other, and we're going to stand together physically and be here in case this is there is a protest and some sad people turn up." So. I think what was really beautiful too about the Shepparton event is that it, f- it was just a quite spontaneous. Like we, we were like, I reckon we'll get 100 people, which was kind of a bold claim, but we actually did. We actually had, yeah, 98 people of which some of those were children and then like 98 people from around the community plus the six of us that came from Melbourne and we added a few couple of teenagers that came with us as well. So in terms of the representation for the community, it was 98 people out of that whole lot, and I did take a picture that was really indicative of what was going on, which was a picture of where the protesters would be on the other side of the road, and there was zero protesters, and then a picture of all yep. of us angels with everyone behind us, which was, you know, 100 and more, 100 plus, plus one frock Hudson as yeah. well. So that was so clear. Well, the so community clear. didn't come
0: out for them, yeah. to support them, did they? No, no, no one in the community gave a shit. It was Zero. only them and then when they weren't there, there was nothing. It's so telling.
1: Well, what would they be protesting, babies and people in rainbows? Like it would be a very odd <laughs> thing to suddenly come to. I guess I guess that's what the issue is too and that's the thing that we're really interested in teasing out is we know that there is a big push back for local government and councils to spend money, go, you know, what people say is the people's money, taxpayers' ratepayers' money, on what they also call as fringe events or not representative groups, LGBTI community members. And that is an incredibly dangerous message for councils to hear, because that is not the way that the councils have been doing their community plans and health plans for the last 10, 15 years. There's there's been a very clear recognition that LGBTIQ plus community members need to be included in community health plans in their local councils. They need to have community health access to, you know, health services, to aged care facilities, to the local community bus. They need to have, and to do all of those things that keep people well and active in their community, you need to have inclusive practice. And to have inclusive practice, you do need training and workforce development. And then you get to a point where you can start to develop LGBTI action plans and really, really embed an in culturally inclusive practice in your childcare, your libraries, all of your council offerings. And people perhaps forget as adults exactly how important a local council can be for an early, um, someone who's in the early years of parenting or someone who is a young person that needs to get out of the house and participate in youth programs to feel safe and connected i didn't have anything to do with my local council (laughs) that i knew of i did go to the library but i didn't really think about it because i was like i was a renter i never paid rates the rubbish just got collected but then we had kids and we're like oh we need the mch nurse they've got a lactation consultant we need that support well there's a play group we can go to we don't like that playgroup. Oh, there's a Rainbow Families playgroup that council supports. Fantastic! It's in a council venue. We've got yeah. access to all of those support services. They can go to a council kinder. We can go to all the reading times at the library. Oh, look, there's a you know there's a a pool that's run by the council. Like it just opened up your eyes to exactly how important and effective councils can be in a local community because you don't get out much when you've got a baby. And if well, we had two to start with, there's twins. But, you know, you are <laughs> kind of confined to your local area where you can walk to, what's a short yeah, drive, what's yeah. accessible, where you can take a baby to without being um stared at, especially if they're twins and especially if there's two mums. So, you know, that was a big eye-opener. And we need places like libraries to be those places people can take their kids so they are connected and they can see the flyers for the lactation consultant. And You know, they can pick up information at a library about a family violence service that perhaps they couldn't get anywhere else.
2: And I think as well, like I reflect to when I I was a single parent, right? No clue what I was doing from one day to the next. And you need that local community that you speak of when you're just having that day where the kid won't sleep, you're existing on an hour's sleep, You can feel tension building. I need to get out of the house. Mm. Where can I go? I'm going to go to the library because I know the library is a place where it just, libraries always feel gentle to me. It's a very Mm. gentle place. Maybe it's because everyone speaks in hushed tones. There's something about a library that just brings energy to comfort. And I think that's what people miss here. Like this is a part of the community that has as much right to access council facilities as everyone does. Whether you are straight, by Muslim, Christian, an immigrant, an didn't come die Aussie, no matter who you are, you deserve a place in your community where you are respected. People see you and. I think that's what just makes me so furious about the hypocrisy of what they say. So they say we're all about community. It's like, but you're not. They say they're all about the safety and sanctity of children, but you're not. Like, you, they live in this world that has so many walls. They have walled themselves into such a small space that they're the ones that actually need the help. They're the ones that actually need the community. They're the ones that actually need saving from themselves, not the other way
1: around. I would love to ask them those questions too around what is it you think when a library cancels an event because you have made a threat of that's vicious and un- unkind and called them all sorts of names that yeah. are, you know, hideous. And without a vilification law that looks at that, it's very difficult to take any particular action. What is it about you that makes you feel like that's a good thing? You've made someone unsafe in their workplace. You've potentially put someone at risk of yep. mental health issues yep. um, and needing to take time off work to recover. You've made someone feel unsafe walking out of their workplace. They're coming in every day in a heightened sense of anxiety. Is that an achievement that you should be proud of? And mm. coupled with that, when someone is also a member of the LGBTIQ plus community who works in those local areas in, you know, a youth centre or is a young youth worker or a library librarian who's been in the community for 40 years, what are you thinking they're leaving each day feeling? Like is that ever taken into consideration? And I know yeah. they have a, a bit of a black and white attitude to the world in lots of ways, but I do really worry about the failure of them to consider the mental health and wellbeing implications of the people who are perhaps not even Mm. directly affected because they're a worker or a staff member or a performer. But the next layer of people who see this attack and and hear about the attacks and see things are cancelled or even open the local paper and there's nothing there for them in the local community anymore. There used to be Mm. events and there's nothing. Or
2: even the fact that like, it emboldens beyond the keyboard warrior aspect as well. Yeah? So you've got the people who actively will do the emailing and the phoning, but then you've got even more people in the group who are watching all this happen and the acceptance of it within their community, which then emboldens you for microaggression to just creep into like your entire life. So now you're out and, you know, you might see um, a same-sex couple walk down the street and where previously you might have had some thoughts in your head, now you've been emboldened to do something else. You know, that, that little baby step towards just being blatantly homophobic, but, you know, you just maybe it's a maybe it's a roll of the eyes that you do. But they never think of how that makes that person feel.
1: And there's nothing worse for people, particularly who are already struggling in their faith community or in their school or even in their home, to then also start to fear the outside world. And Absolutely. it's so right. damaging. That fear, I mean, it's no you know, it's awful to think about, but people, and I guess this is about a bit of a trigger warning for thinking about these issues and talking about them publicly, is that people do engage in deliberate self-injury and sometimes suicide is the result of that because there isn't a sense of safety and it becomes so compounded with what's happening online and just this pounding of people you know, really taking on an event that you really, are, you know, want to be part of or are really excited about. And then that's the outcome. And we, unfortunately, like the rainbow ball that was cancelled in Wangaratta, that had a huge implication on the safety of those young people, but just it gave, it opened up the opportunity for, um, you know, young people to be bullied in their school, young people to Not express their sadness at home because they knew that they weren't safe to be out. So then they had to look for other avenues to discuss and talk about how they felt. It just meant this whole dislocation, in a regional community,
2: like you're not in the city. To your point, you know, you you can't just hop on a bus or a train or a tram and take yourself to the Pride Centre and know that you're going to feel love and there's going to be people there with shared experience that you can have a conversation with. I think that's why it pisses me off so much is the downstream damage that they do from making some dumbass fucking post on Facebook and then they'll then come on alive or, or or at a protest and go, you know, oh, it's not that we're against the, the community, you know, we're not. And it's like, but the downstream effect of every fucking thing that you're doing, you are. Yeah. <laughs> like, get out of this fucking world where you think you can justify shithouse behavior by getting on a live and going, oh, but, you know, we don't mean... You know, like, I've got gay friends. They do often say that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they do. Obviously, you don't. Obviously, you don't. And if you do, maybe now's the time that you should sit down with those gay friends and have a very open conversation about the damage that you are doing to lives of real people, of real children
1: who need to be loved. Yes, absolutely. And yeah, I guess... And accepted. And accepted and just allowed to explore and be themselves, which does not harm any other person. No. And in fact makes that young person feel more confident and loved and able to make decisions that are appropriate and informed for themselves. And that's what we want. We want kids that can be, i it's not my favourite word, but like resilient and able to to analyse information and make good informed decisions as young adults and be yep. productive and kind members of community and productive I don't mean in a capitalist way I mean in a in a yep. way for themselves that they can achieve what they would like to achieve in life and that there are no obstacles for themselves but I think also these someone's little comment on Facebook that gets supported by someone else's and then they feel like they're part of this community and they get emboldened to go oh aren't we wonderful we're saving the world and these poor children and these adults are just terrible and they shouldn't allow young people to, you know, attend a rainbow ball, that's just disgusting and have fun. Goodness gracious me, that's going to end, the sky's going to fall in. Those comments and the media and the emails and the outcome of all of that is seen by people who are incredibly important decision makers And it gives them license to then go, hey, why don't we put up a bill Mm -hmm. to prohibit children accessing gender affirmation care? That would be amazing because look at all this support for it. And they're not interested in the nuances of all the different decision makings or the fact that children that access gender affirming care have multidisciplinary teams, that it takes years, that it's well thought out, that you require two parents to give permission for anything to do with puberty, um, with hormones, that puberty blockers are reversible, that, you know, there's all of this care and consideration provided around a child making this informed choice with excellent support. And that doesn't matter when people can just make any old comment, Mm. cancel event, call it a victory. Those numbers unfortunately add up and look like a base basically, like Trump always plays to his base. These people become the base of the right-wing conservatives, people that are against reproductive freedom, against bodily autonomy, who just go, it's giving us licence to also fuel that hate, to save the children, as they say it. Yeah. And
2: again, the the funny part of that is those people that you're talking about inevitably are the elite that they purport to be against. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so you've got this movement that goes, yeah, oh, true. the elites, the yeah. elites, the elites, but they they cannot see that the people who benefit from what they do are in fact the elites <laughs> that they say that they want to bring down. Yeah,
1: yeah, I mean, like little, like like Ralph,
0: that um, <laughs> zippy, <laughs> we call him zippy, <laughs> that is
1: fancy suits.
0: Oh my gosh, he's so annoying.
1: If we came back to the actual day, I would like to say overall it was such a lovely, lovely success and the smiles on everyone's faces and the librarians did cry but they cried out of joy that it happened. And while they felt like they couldn't stop the cancellation, they did feel like they could continue to support the community and we absolutely gave them 100% support on the day and talked about their marvellous attempts to keep it going and they allowed us to use a room to debrief in they allowed you know access to to lovely frock hudson to get changed in so anything that um those funny people in sad sad people in the convoy who were involved in trying to stop it were trying to do if they were trying to remove any (laughs) access or fondness from the lgbti community towards the library they've actually done the opposite and then we are in awe of just these amazing librarians. I think I've never known a, um, a workforce across across the whole state in Australia yeah. to be suddenly so loved. Uh, <laughs> like we all knew they were amazing, but this year I can say there is a lot more love for a they librarian are absolute than absolute legends. probably seen for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. Absolute legends. <laughs> well, you said before that yeah. you had,
2: you know, lots of angels and more training coming up, but what other ways are there for people to become involved? Not necessarily, you know, with the angels, but like thinking about it, people in their life. So, you know, what can we do to be more mindful and more generous with our hearts and more accepting? Um, you know, what, what would be the thing that people could do in their life tomorrow? That is such a lovely
1: question. One of the big principles behind how we work as angels is to be trauma informed. And at, a, at its basis, we want to acknowledge by saying that is that many people have trauma in their lives mm. from their childhood. It could have been something, you know, small to other people, but huge in that child's life. And many LGBTIQ plus people hold a lot of trauma in their hearts as well. And that could be a result of really big things like conversion therapy practices that really harmed them it could be to family violence it could be they just whole school experience marred by homophobia or transphobia so when you are working with or living with or studying with or in a play group with anyone who is part of a rainbow family or anyone part of the LGBTIQ plus communities it is important to be mindful that we wish to always do no harm to each other and really take on board requests to use the correct name, the correct pronoun, to try really hard to get um, on top of diverse family forms, to not always go as a default mum and dad, to be mindful of language that you use and just to think and always ask if there are things you can do that make people's experience at work, at school, in the staff room in the library, wherever it might be, in your health provider's office that could make people feel a little more at ease. So really simple things like names and pronouns, being mindful of asking what preferred name people would like, asking open questions, like, oh, tell me who's in your family. Allow a child or a client in your mental health practice to just explain that for themselves. Outward signs are really important. Think about things like what if I walked into your office, your school, your waiting room, your cafe, what is it that I'm going to see when I walk in there that tells me it's safe for me to bring in my Mm. girlfriend or for me to come here with my baby or to bring my trans friends into this space knowing that they won't be harassed or looked at weirdly or treated unkindly and that might be inclusive language on posters it could be wearing rainbow badges it could be something that just indicates outwardly that this is a safe place and it's we always say you've got to think beyond the rainbow sticker and you do because the rainbow sticker is one sign we don't want people just to bang them on the door and their diaries and their email signatures but it's a really simple thing to say i stand Mm. i'm a safe person Mm. you can ask me anything and that's kind of what we really appreciate and we know young people really they might never talk to you at the library or in your school or anything like that but they will they will remember that you were someone that wore yes. a rainbow lanyard or use ask them what pronouns to use and they will remember that and I think that's a really easy kind thing to do.
0: I think the way that you speak like that so I was just trying to put myself in the position of one of uh, the our subjects who might look at those rainbow uh, stickers as like oh, that's the agenda, you know, they're just putting their mark on that place, that means they're just satanic or whatever. But what it actually means is, as you've just pointed out, that sticker reflects that if you are trans or you're LGBTQIA+, that, that means that place is safe.
1: It's such a simple ask and it can really make a profound effect Particularly, yeah. I'm thinking young people. Particularly, I'm thinking older people have, you know, you, you usually have a access to income and housing and other things. Not always, but when you're a young person, you are still in the care of a parent or guardian. Yeah, you can't have free access to getting your own housing or benefits or moving around, moving states or moving suburbs isn't as easy. You're really stuck. So, yeah, I I just always think back to what would a young person think, young, queer or trans person who may not be out to anybody, think when they see the world around them act in ways that are kind and caring and trying to where people are trying to create safer places. And I think Julie yeah. that, that must be such a, a lovely thing to remember. And um we just shouldn't take I just don't take those things mm. For granted, I yeah, always think, what can I do just sense. to make a difference? Sometimes I just wear, I mean, I look so gay, but <laughs> yeah. sometimes I wear rainbow socks or, yeah. you know, I have a little tattoo on my wrist that's um, little rainbow and trans and non-binary flag dots and that's because I used to work in a high school and I was like, yeah. what's a quick way for kids to see that mm. oh, wow. I'm okay? Like, hey, and it's just this little band of, um, they mm. look like texta, I'd have to say. I'm not saying you all yeah. have to get a rainbow <laughs> <No>. tattoo, but <laughs> like... But that's what you do. That's lovely. Think, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. And I think also um, what what message that I think I would like to get across to some of our listeners who may be feeling a little bit unsure about all the when we say, you know, you trying to uh, be mindful of your language and pronouns and all that, I understand that people have difficulty with that. But I think also because I, I think a lot of people, just from obs- my observations, is that people are scared that they're going to stuff up and then it makes them really nervous and i think it really is just about allowing yourself to stuff up every now and again so if you're with a with a trans person and you've accidentally misgendered them apologize and move on that that i've talked to my trans workers that i work with and i've said you know i've spoken to them about how they would feel and they're like yeah just apologize move on try again it's okay it's okay like just relax it's fine but as long as they know you won't crying. be the first time <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: It's not going to be the first time people make that um mistake or assumption or, you know, revert to a stereotype to try and put you in a box. So for many of us who are older, this is not, it won't be the first time someone's misgendered us or assumed our family had a certain structure or anything like that. But I think what is really important is that you do make an effort yeah, and yeah, no. it's not that difficult and it's not a big ask in a world where we do want to show kindness and compassion for everyone. It's like if you can't pronounce someone's name correctly or you haven't thought about the accessibility needs of your client, you you need to make an effort and think ahead a bit ahead but you also need to apologise and ask what do you need to be able to access mm-hmm. this service safely or this, you know, particularly when it's health and mental health services. Schools are another kettle of fish. And I think there's a lot of people doing amazing work, working on how to make schools safe from the union to individual teachers to safe schools and Minus 18, Body Safety Australia. There's some just excellent people out there working really hard and doing a great job around respectful relationships and, you know, consent and sexuality education and just creating safer spaces for the LGBTIQ plus community members in those workplaces and schools. So, you know, there's a lot of work always to be done because mm. there's always new students and always new staff and always new families, but there is a, it's just um not that hard if you want to be That's a kind, what I was just about to say. I think right. that
2: we all just want to live in a world where we all have the right to thrive, we all have the right to safety, we all have the right to joy and happiness. And if that means that You know, we need to get over ourselves about pronouns in order to make someone else's life just a tiny little bit easier for them with no impact whatsoever on us, then get over yourself and be okay with pronouns.
1: It's really not that fucking hard. One of the things I think is important to consider too is part of the success of lots of advocacy often comes down to being able to meet someone you could potentially be a friend with and that's sort of a form of contact theory and it's about how you can change hearts and minds. In Victor have had lots of success in campaigns to do things like improve access to assisted reproductive treatment because we took our families, our kids, our grandparents and ourselves to meet MPs and decision makers. This is in the early 2000s. And we said, these, this is who we are. We're part of, we have humanity. We have kindness. We have care and love to give. And just like so many people, we want to have children, but to do that, we need access to assisted reproductive treatment. And time and again, politicians and decision makers would go, you know what? Actually, we needed to use IVF too, or that we'd have bring a baby and they'd have a baby. They'd talk about their babies and we'd connect over something incredibly basic which is that fundamental part of our humanity to create relationship and family and have children and that's how we won in the end because people could yep. connect with us even if they were on opposite sides of the chamber <laughs> Um we created a chance for the story to change for them and that's what we're trying to do now we are saying we're not Scary and filled with hate for you. We think that really you're misguided, potentially misguided and miseducated. You maybe haven't met a trans person or a rainbow family before. We're not going to let you cancel our events because that's detrimental to our community's health and well-being. But at the same time, we're going to tell you that we're turning up. And if you choose to turn up and stand on the other side of the road with a sign that is degrading and unkind and really not fit for children to see, so I'm not sure what that's all about, then. (laughs) You know, you get to stand opposite joy and love and radical trust and solidarity full of rainbows and kindness and care. And so more fool you for being the people that are choosing such an opposite, sad, unkind way of being in the world. Come and visit us. We're never going to stop you coming and having a chat if you're going to do it with your heart open. But if you come and be aggressive to a Rainbow Community Angel, we will... Um, call security we will call the police but we are not going to answer you in in anger because we're not there to be an angry wall of hate we are there to be a kind compassionate rainbow wall of love really and I know Absolutely. some people can, that just sounds really twee no, it's beautiful. <laughs> or a bit too cute it's the um, right but response but it's really deliberate
0: it is the right response isn't it you're not trolls like it's just a wonderful, the Rainbow Community Angels is just a wonderful organisation. I'm so pleased that you've all come together to do this. You've shown, you've, you've taught me and saw so much about how kindness and how bridging the, the gap a little bit and going at it a different way. You've really taught us a lot about that as well. All the power to you. I hope that in time that this all gets turned around. I think it is. It feels like it is starting, do you think? Do you think we're getting there?
1: No? <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually so cynical, Sandy. Okay. I'm like, mm, we'll see. if there's a Trump election next year, oh. we've got local government elections next year in Victoria, what are they going to do next? I'm I'm uh, alert and a little bit alarmed still. Yep. But this has got a long way to play out. We've still got quite a few Pride events coming up in the summer months. But you know what? we're ready, we're resilient, we've got a lovely community that supports us yep. and lots of allies. So really more full to them for being those kind of people.
2: Thank you for today. That, I think that that was a beautiful discussion about the joy And I think that that's what we should focus on. I think, you know, it's really easy for us all to get incredibly frustrated with their campaigning and their emailing and their dumb convoys and their silly protests. But the reality is 100 people in Shepperson showed up on a Thursday at lunchtime to show the community that they do care and they are loved and they are welcome and they are accepted and they are part of the community and the community wrap their arms around them. And I think that's what we need to remember. So thank you, Flickr, for coming on today and reminding us about all of that because Sandy and I get very angry with, with them. And it's great that you came and reminded us of, of the joy and to rise above it and to, to meet them on this topic with open hearts and love. So thank you for
1: joining us it was terrific
0: very Um, wise words very wise words
1: and thank you so much (laughs) oh thank you so much for the opportunity and thank both of you i guess too for all of that thinking and angry work you do do because it's incredibly insightful and useful to have people like yourselves online and doing podcasts like this i find it as an activist really really amazing to listen to all of the background work you do it's very useful no
0: worries. We 100% stand behind yep. you and the Rainbow Community Angels. 100%. Yeah. Well, thank You're you. so good. Just a final thought on the Drag Queen story time in Shepparton. Look, it's great the events continue to go ahead with the help of the Rainbow Community Angels, but the ultimate goal is to never see any of these events cancelled. Libraries, councils, police, to get on board and ensure these events can go ahead safely as planned in the first place. And I believe there is some work going on around all of that. But Victoria certainly has a way to go. Other events around Australia are still going ahead. Just recently, there was a Bay Pride March that was organized in Wynnum, Queensland. And despite the efforts of Christians to mock the event, shame the event and protest the event on the day, look, we saw the footage from suspended doctor Billy Bay, it still went ahead with thousands of people turning up to march, making the protesters look very small and proving that this is a much wanted and supported thing by communities broadly.
2: The only acceptable thing is that the people sending threats or harassment are the ones that are held to account for doing that. Like some of the stuff that these people post, like. It's a knock on the door from the cops for me to just say, hey, yeah. stop, that'll do.
0: Or even the stuff that they send to the performers. Absolutely. The Where are their Yes. Yeah.
2: Ultimately, these events should be able to be publicly promoted, just like any other event out there in the community, and made available to the people who want it. And obviously many people do. So in Shepherdon, an event that was going to be held inside for maybe a handful of people who knew about it, ended up with an outdoor event with even more people than would have initially planned to attend. My Place and Stand in the Park took this as a win. And if a win is 100 allies showing up, then they are right. It was a win. Well done, Rainbow Community Angels.